Hebrews chapter 1. The word Hebrews, of course, just means Jews. And we want to think tonight about the greatest Hebrew of all, the greatest Jew of all. And that, of course, is our wonderful Lord Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, let's read about the Saviour. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, And the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? The book of Hebrews begins in the same way that the Bible begins by describing creation. Hebrews, just as the book of Genesis does, points us to the origin of all things. Of course, you think to think of the book of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Ten words, ten stupendous, earth-shattering words that tell us where all things came from. You hear scientists talking about origins and paleontologists uh, trying to work out the origins of the universe Well, if they'd only read the word of God, they'd discover the origin of the universe. And so we have this wonderful book of Hebrews beginning in the same way that the book of Genesis, beginning in the same way that the entire Bible begins, speaking of creation, laying the foundation for the gospel. You wouldn't build a house without a foundation. You definitely wouldn't build a skyscraper without a foundation. And the Bible's like a great skyscraper, and it's got 66 stories, and you need a foundation and a good foundation for it. And creation is that 
foundation. And as I've said before, if you don't tell people about creation and the fall, then um, John 3.16 is going to be meaningless to them. In the book of Hebrews and chapter 1, we have a wonderful phrase there in verse 2. It's at the end of verse 2. He made the worlds. Four words at the end of Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Four words that describe and make it clear to us that the Son of God has made the worlds. He has created the universe. Hebrews chapter 1 is all about God the Son. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is all about him. And we're told here that this Son, this Son of God, the, the Savior, he made the worlds. And those are the four words that I want to leave with you tonight, folks. Four words that seemed to jump out of the page at me during the week whenever I read them. And there's, there's one of those four words that jumped out even more than the other words and it's the last word, worlds. You see, if you sort of gloss over it, you would think it says, he made the world. Doesn't say that. There's an S on the end. He made the worlds. It's plural. More than one world. And the Lord Jesus Christ made these Worlds, we know he made this world that we live in, but there's other worlds that he made as well. He made the worlds. We've been singing about those worlds tonight already. O oh Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Isn't it a wonderful thought tonight, folks, just to Consider and to meditate upon the fact that the one who has the nail-pierced hands is the one who made the worlds. That word worlds, of course, is mentioned in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Again, the emphasis is on creation. The Lord Jesus just had to speak and the worlds were framed or created or made. The worlds. And I want to speak to you tonight about these worlds that have been made by the Lord Jesus. Just in case you thought that he was on the same level as the other founders of world religions. Just in case... There would happen to be anybody in here tonight and you think that Jesus Christ is, no ordin is, is just an ordinary person and there's nothing special about him. I want to tell you he's extraordinary. I want to tell you he's very special. This wonderful saviour that we love and we worship. So come with me tonight to my master's workshop. The first world that the Lord Jesus made is the world around us. Think about the world around us. In verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 1, 
We're told about this world around us, and it's actually a quotation from Psalm 102. But look at the start of verse 10, Hebrews 1 verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. There's the world around us, the world that we live in, the world that we have been enjoying during this beautiful spell of spring weather. I know there was a wee bit of rain there lately, but the sun has been back uh, yesterday and today. And we can uh, worship the Lord as we look at the, the world around us, the world that he has made. You think even about our own little country and the wonders of creation in little Northern Ireland. We don't have to look any further than the Giant's Causeway. And you remember there was a whole hullabaloo a few years ago about a a very, very small section in the new Giant's Causeway that referred to creation. And it wasn't saying that, well, we believe that, that, that Jesus Christ created the Giant's Causeway. It just said one of the beliefs that is held about the causeway is that uh, it was created. And, of course, all hell broke loose. And um, the atheists and the evolutionists, they don't like to have a level playing field. They want it all their own way. And so they were cre- uh, creating a stink about any reference to creation at the causeway. Well, let them create a stink. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ created the Giant's Causeway. All those tens of thousands of basalt rock cylinders stretching out into the sea. The Lord Jesus made every one of them. He made the Giant's Causeway. Don't believe all the mythology. They'll tell you about it, how the the causeway came about. No, it's part of the wonderful world around us that Jesus made. You see, to go back to our text tonight, folks, he made the worlds. And he made this world around us that we live in. But then when you leave little Northern Ireland... And you you, you look across the globe and you think of some of the wonders of the natural world. And you think about the Victoria Falls in Africa, for example. And wasn't it David Livingstone, the great missionary, who discovered the Victoria Falls and he actually named them as well? The Victoria Falls are part of the wonderful world that we live in that has been created by the Lord Jesus. Yes, the one who hung on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago, he's the one who made the falls that Livingstone discovered. And the Victoria Falls is famous for two reasons. Because firstly, it's it's the largest, the greatest sheet of falling water on the planet and then secondly it's it's very famous because you can go there and you can see a moonbow we've all seen a, a rainbow you ever see a moonbow you go to the victoria falls on your holiday some year on safari they say that when you're on safari you can one of the places to go is go to victoria falls 
not during the day, but at midnight. And at midnight, you'll see the moon bow. It's just like a rainbow, only it's not created by the sun, it's created by the moon. He made the worlds. The Lord Jesus, the one who died on the cross, the one who shed his blood, he made this beautiful world around us. And wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Louis Armstrong who sung that lovely old song, sort of speaking about creation? What a wonderful world. I tell you, folks, this is a wonderful world that we live in, the world around us. I know that it's ruined by fallen man with his depravity. That's the only thing that spoils it. <coughs> but what an awesome world around us that Jesus made. By the giant's causeway evidence that he made the world, the Victoria Falls in Africa, evidence that he made the world. What about the Great Barrier Reef in Australia? Boy, that's one of the natural wonders of the world. Do you know the Great Barrier Reef is the only living thing visible from outer space? Don't know whether you'll ever go to outer space. Probably not. But apparently it's the only living thing that you can see from space. And guess who created it? Our wonderful Lord Jesus. What a saviour he is. Aren't you glad you're here tonight? Learning more about him. And there's so much more to learn about him. That's why we'll need heaven and all eternity to learn about him. I could talk endlessly, I could go on and on, tell you about places across the world, tourist attractions, where people go and admire creation. And if only they realized that it has all come from the nail-pierced hands of the Lord Jesus, he made it all. For he made the worlds. So that's the first world that he made. The world around us. But then there's another world that he made. You see the Bible tells us that that he made the world above us. The world above us. If you look again at Hebrews chapter 1. And if, if you look at the second half of the verse. And the heavens are the works of thine hands. The heavens are the works of thine hands. Again, it's quoting from Psalm 102. The heavens. That's speaking about the sky above us, which I think I've told you before goes up for 100 miles. I mean, what's that? Would that take you to near Dublin? Not far off it. 100 miles straight up. Sky, the atmosphere. Next time you're telling somebody about the Lord, you can tell them about that. You can say, he's a wonderful saviour, for he made it. And then when you go up to 100 miles, and I don't think any of us ever will, but uh, 100 miles up, then you come to the, the, the border with outer space. And you go through the earth's atmosphere into outer space. Into the second heavens. 
And he made it all. That's the other world that he made. And you've got those dancing lights of the aurora borealis in the night sky, don't you? In the heaven above us. Uh, those, they're called northern lights. We know them better as the northern lights. Up there above us. Evidence of a creator. The sky above us. The heavens are the works of thine hands. The, the heavens are the works of the hands of the Lord Jesus. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19 tells us. Just this past week... It's been in the news about the meteor shower in the United Kingdom. The meteors breaking through, burning through the Earth's atmosphere, coming in to our uh, atmosphere, and it's like a, a sort of a fireworks display in the night sky. Jesus made it all. You know, it's, it's just as if the Lord Jesus has given us a nudge here on Earth, I, I made it. There is a creator. I'm in control. You don't need to worry about your problems and your struggles. I have it all in hand. It's just as if the Lord Jesus is giving us a not so subtle hint that he's the creator up there and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, they're in supreme control. The great creator hasn't abdicated his throne but he's still upon the throne. And he'll look after you and me. And he'll care for us until he brings us home. Thank God for the world above us. Oh, there's so much we could say about it. Astronomy, they call it. You know, see, it's Spurgeon loved astronomy. It was one of his favorite pastimes. One of his favorite hobbies was to study astronomy. And of course, Spurgeon knew that astronomy pointed him to the Creator. So much we could talk about tonight. When we look up into the sky, we, 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 we think of the sun. And we, we don't think the sun is very big. But did you know, folks, that you could fit six million moons inside the sun? Six, you know, you look up into the night sky and then you look during the day and then there's the, there's the sun up there. And you sort of think to yourself, well, there's not much difference in the two of them. But apparently inside the sun you, you could fit six million moons. <coughs> That's a very big sun. And the sun made the sun. The S-O-N made the S-U-N. Is it any wonder that we get excited about them? Scientists now believe that there could be as many as 40 billion planets in our Milky Way galaxy. That's just our galaxy. And what is it they talk about? There's a million other galaxies in our universe. I mean, the whole thing just blows your mind. Up above us there, the world above us that Jesus made. On Christmas Day 2021, the James Webb Space Telescope was launched from French Guiana in South America. 
It has been hailed as the most powerful telescope ever launched by NASA. The the, the total cost of the mission is $10 billion. And the space telescope has reached a distance of one and a half million kilometers from the Earth. It was decades in the making. And the goal of the whole enterprise was to study galaxy formation. That's, I'm quoting now from the NASA website. Their goal was to study galaxy formation. Well, you know, it really sounds like $10 billion wasted. Because if they just had come here, we could have told them, the Lord Jesus formed the galaxies. That's how the galaxies formed. That's how they came about. He made the worlds. He did it all. What a saviour we serve. What a saviour we worship. Didn't the hymn writer say, In reason's ear they all rejoice, And utter forth a glorious voice, Forever singing as they shine, The hand that made us is divine. But then there's another world tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ has made, and I dare not finish without mentioning it, because there's not only the world around us and the world above us, but then, folks, there's the world after us, isn't there? The world after us. You see, when you die, you'll go out into another world. And you'll go out into one of two places. There's two, there's two destinations in that other world that you can go to. And the first one I want to mention tonight is hell. And there is a hell to shun. Hell's a real place. I often say hell's as real as new buildings. And you see, hell was created by Jesus. That might sound strange tonight, but it's the truth. You just have to go to Matthew 25 and verse 41 and listen to the words that Jesus will speak to those who have rejected him. Matthew 25, 41. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's the important point. Hell was not prepared for man. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But it belongs to Christ and he made it. It's part of this world after us that he made. Hell. It exists. But it's not the will of our Heavenly Father that anybody would be there. That's why he sent his only Son. The Son that Hebrews 1 is speaking about. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, folks, because there's a hell... That's why we drive down the road to Coleraine every two weeks. That's why Brother Kenny comes up here every two weeks. 
even though the price of fuel is, what is it now, a pound nearly to a litre? But we still, we still go because there's a hell that people need to be rescued from. That's why you good folks do your part as well in whatever way you can in seeking to share the gospel so that souls will be rescued from this awful place. Yes, the Lord Jesus owns hell. It belongs to hell. W.P. Nicholson used to talk about God's hell. Every time he preached about hell, he would call it God's hell. And I tell you, Nicholson was, was exactly right. It does belong to the Lord. He owns it. But then there's the other destination that those who die in Christ will go to. And that's heaven. And in John 14, of course, we have those immortal words that the Lord Jesus spoke. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Many of us in this sanctuary tonight are headed for this wonderful place. Some of you have stood at the open grave of a loved one who's already there. And you can look forward to the day whenever you'll be reunited with them. And what a day that will be. And we're not talking now, you know, by and by, pie in the sky. This is not the stuff of legend. This is really going to happen. There's going to be a glad reunion someday. Loved ones who have been separated at the graveside will be reunited in heaven. Hallelujah. And that's something I keep telling my own mother when I talk to her. You're going to see dad again someday. You're going to meet with him someday. He's up there with the Lord. And he wouldn't come back and he wouldn't swap with us. And it's not a case of we who are down here and, and, and the saved up there. And it's not a case of us feeling sorry for them or those poor people up in heaven. No, it's the other way around. Those believers up in heaven, they're looking down at us folks. And boy, they feel sorry for us left down here. But hallelujah, it'll, it'll come to the time when they'll not have to feel sorry for us anymore. Because we'll be with them up there. We'll be in the place that the Lord Jesus has prepared. He's made. Ah, this wonderful Redeemer. He made the world around us. He made the world above us. And he made the world after us. His hands were pierced. The hands that made. The mountain range endeavored laid that washed the stains of sin away. And changed earth's darkness into day. His feet were pierced. The feet that trod the furthest shining star of God. And left their imprint deep and clear. On every winding pathway here. His heart was pierced. The heart that burned to comfort every heart that yearned. And from it came a cleansing flood. The river of redeeming blood. His hands and feet and heart all three. 
were pierced for me on Calvary, and here and now to him I bring my hands, feet, heart, an offering 